0: Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. In from our dead stamps as we're nearing the platinum jubilee of the queen i thought this would be a good time to do a podcast about queen elizabeth ii but before we do just a brief look back at history as i'm sure most of you are aware great britain is the only country that does not have to put its name on stamps but this wasn't always the case Originally, when stamps were first introduced, most countries never conceived of the idea of posting items overseas, and it was all intended to be used on internal mail. Therefore, there was no need to put the country's name on. But gradually, the the practice became more and more common. And in 1874, when the Universal Postal Union was founded, They decreed that all stamps intended for international use must bear that country's name. However, they did give Britain an exemption from this. Being the first country to introduce a postage stamp, Britain was allowed not to include its name on any stamps. However, there must be an image of the monarch. And that brings us neatly to the images of Queen Elizabeth II on modern day British stamps. All the stamps that have ever been produced in Great Britain since Queen Elizabeth came to the throne have borne an image of her in some place on the stamp. The surprising fact is with very few exceptions there's only actually been three images used throughout her entire 70-year reign. I find that quite amazing In 70 years, we've only used three different images. And the most recent one of those is actually the machin, which was introduced in 1967. Although there have been three separate occasions when the post office have attempted to change this design. However, on each occasion, the proposed new designs have been rejected by the Queen. And so the machins are still used on definitive issues throughout the UK. Upon her accession to the throne the first stamps that were produced were the ones using the photograph taken by Dorothy Wilding popularly known as the Wilding Issues and this is a subject I've already done a podcast about so if you would like to know more about the Wildings take a look back at one of my previous podcasts this was the image that was used from 1952 right the way up until 1967 when, as I've just said, the Machins were introduced. The Machins, as they are called, uh, designed by Arnold Machin, were based on a plaster relief of the Queen that he sculpted and then took photographs of from various different angles with various di- different lightings until they were happy with the final result. And that design has been used. As I said, since it came into place in 1967, right up to the present day, a total of 55 years, which is quite an amazing feat for a, a single design on a stamp. The Machin Definitives were first introduced in predecible currency, and the original set contains 16 different stamps, starting with a halfpenny, a penny, twopence, threepence. Two different colour fourpenny stamps were produced, fivepence, sixpence, sevenpence, and again two different colour eightpenny stamps, ninepence, tenpence, one shilling, one and six, and one and ninepence. These were produced in photogravure by Harrisons and Sons. And in 1969, some high value ones were also produced two and six, five shilling, ten shilling, and one pound stamp. These, however, were produced by Bradbury, Wilkinson and Company in recess. For decimalisation in 1971, a whole new set of stamps were produced, and over the following years, hundreds of different variations, different prices, different printing methods, different printers, different colours. As I've said before, there's a whole world of collecting just in matchings and they are quite cheap to get hold of. So it's certainly uh, an easy thing for people to study and for people to get interested in. The Machin design is quite slightly different from the the Wilding designs, because the Wildings were used on the definitive stamps, but also in the corners of commemorative stamps throughout the UK, and in many cases in the Commonwealth as well. Whereas the Machin stamps, to my knowledge, have only ever been used on the definitive issues. So there is a slight difference there. The only other image to have been used on British stamps, as I said, there are a couple of exceptions, exceptions to this, but we will come to those later. But the only other image to be used on stamps is one done for coinage by a Mrs. Mary Gillick. Originally all the commemorative stamps used the wilding design in the corner or on the side of the stamp to depict the Queen. But artists and stamp designers alike complained that this image took up a third of the stamp and it was also imposed a a three-dimensional perspective on what was basically a two-dimensional design. So it made it very, very difficult. And after much persuasion, the post office eventually agreed to an image taken from the coinage design by Mrs. Mary Gillick and adapted by David Gentleman. And this was first used in 1966 on the landscape issues and been successfully used in various formats ever since then. So it's quite remarkable that those are the only three images used on British stamps. However, the picture throughout the Commonwealth is slightly different. Initially, Most countries throughout the Commonwealth for their first pictorial issue of the new Queen Elizabeth stamps, used the wilding image, but gradually more and more different images of the Queen have been used. My favourite one is the image drawn by Pietro Anigoni, which was used on the omnibus issue of the British Caribbean Federation in 1958, but much more successfully in my view in the 1962 Hong Kong definitive series. This shows the Queen in her order of the garter robes from the head and shoulders upwards. On the small value stamps, it's in a single color, but on the high value stamps from $1.30 upwards, then the portrait of the Queen is in multicolored with a single color background. And I think it's quite effective although I understand it was not a popular painting at the time. As I've said, there are also many other different images of the Queen on stamps in various Commonwealth and rest of the world countries even. And if this is an area you wanted to collect, you have a host of material of which to look at. A good place to start, however, would be the various omnibus issues. As we have said before on these podcasts, Omnibus issues are where several different countries use exactly the same design to commemorate a specific event. And there are many specific events in the Queen's lifetime that have warranted omnibus edition stamps. For example, in 1972, it was uh, the Royal Silver Wedding of the Queen and Prince Philip. Many countries produced a similar design showing a picture of the Queen and Prince Philip. There was also the silver jubilee in 1977 and in fact many jubilees, the silver jubilee in 77, the golden jubilee in 2002, the diamond jubilee in 2012, and of course we have the platinum jubilee coming up very shortly. And that brings me back to a point I made earlier about the exceptions on British stamps with images of the Queen other than the three we have mentioned. The Platinum Jubilee Stamps were released by the Royal Mail in February and show 8 different photographs of the Queen at various stages throughout her reign. Now because these are photographs of the Queen there is no requirement that there is another image of the Queen on the corner of the stamp and so these are the exceptions to the rule where we don't have either the Wilding image, the matching image or the merry Gillick image of the Queen on stamps. And there have been a few similar issues in the past, such as the Queen's 80th birthday, where they have been photographs of the Queen, so no other image has been needed. However, the rule still stands, there must be at least some image of the current monarch on all British stamps. Other omnibus issues which might be worth a look at if you're interested in collecting images of the Queen, are her birthday celebrations, Stamps were issued for her 60th birthday, her 80th birthday, and in some cases other birthdays in between as well. And also wedding anniversaries. I've already mentioned the silver wedding anniversary, but there was another one for the golden wedding anniversary and also the diamond wedding anniversary. So as you can see, there is a multitude of stamps, things to collect, If the Queen is is your interest, and you want a variety of images of the Queen, then the world really is your oyster when it comes to stamp collecting. And if collecting things associated with the Royals is your thing, then as usual, the Royal Mail has really gone to town and provided you with loads of opportunities. Besides the eight set stamps, which would cost you £10.60, There's 10 other items that you could buy in commemoration of the Platinum Jubilee, including presentation packs, prestige albums, specially minted coins, frame stamps, postcards, full sheets and presentation sheets. As I've said, the Royal Mail always produced a host of things whenever they release new stamps these days, and the Jubilee is no exception. Well, there we have a very brief round-up of the stamps of Queen Elizabeth's reign. I hope you found it interesting and look forward to seeing you again in two weeks' time for another edition of Our Dad Stamps podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps as well as through my online shops at eBay and DevCamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast.